Hi folks, and welcome to episode 25 of the Old Guy Gaming Podcast. My name's Giles Dickerson, I'm Giles Went West on Twitter, Xbox Live, and PlayStation Network. And yeah, as well as episode 25, which kind of has a nice uh, ring to it, it's also the last episode of the year, because I, uh, not surprisingly... Uh, I'm going to take the day off on Christmas Day Uh, and so yeah I'm going to take the chance to have a little recharge in general to be honest so that means the next show will be a month from now and that either means Friday the 15th of January which would be sort of skip one but my regular slot well there's a fairly decent chance that I might be moving to Sunday so Sunday the 17th I'm gonna make that decision and a couple of others over the Christmas break so please subscribe to the channel or um or and even uh, follow me on Twitter uh, and then you will find out um first where the next show will be but yeah middle of January and uh, I hope everyone has a good Christmas break right one more bit of housekeeping before we get going. Uh, it is technically it is Thursday night, the 10th of December. So I am recording a day early because I'm working tomorrow, Friday the 11th. The annoying thing is that means that I am recording this just before the Game Awards. So uh, Game Awards come on in a couple of hours. It's uh, late night in the UK. I think it's midnight here. Um, So I'm not going to be able to watch them live, which is really annoying. Uh, But also it means that probably loads of cool stuff's going to happen, which I am not going to talk about in this episode. So again, super annoying there. Sorry about that, except I might get tempted. So if you hear a very obvious change in sound levels and then I start talking about the Game Awards, um, that's because I got tempted. I just couldn't resist to to cover something that got talked about. If I don't manage to get to it or you don't hear that, that probably just means that I had a super busy day on Friday, couldn't manage to squeeze it in, um, or maybe there wasn't a big announcement. Who knows? But yeah, hope you enjoyed the Game Awards. Um, By the time you hear this, they will have happened and any cool announcements and shocks and surprises will have taken place. So again, if I don't talk about them, it's purely because I had to record before the show. Okay, so with that in mind, let's get on with the rest of this final episode of 2020. So I don't know if it's just me, but after a couple of weeks of loads happening, it feels like it's been quite a quiet couple of weeks for a gaming point of view. Uh, Maybe I've just been focused on uh, trying to wrap things up before Christmas and, you know, all the chaos and madness that's ensuing in the world and in this country right now. Um, But I only had two or three, if we come back with that little Game Award insert, uh, three things I really wanted to talk about in the news. And then I want to get to what is essentially a little mini year in review from myself. Um, So first things first, because it's probably the first thing on your mind. It's the first thing on my mind because we're right in the thick of it as I record, um, which is that Cyberpunk has finally come out. So uh, yeah, launched today uh, as recording, or 10th of December uh, when you're listening. Um, and lots and lots, uh, I think, is going to be said about Cyberpunk over the next, well, weeks and probably months. 
because um, credit to um, CD Projekt Red, what they do tend to do is really support their games. So I'm sure there will be lots of patches, lots of improvements, and lots of content coming down the line. Um, but right now, uh, it's a really interesting story, I think, anyway, when it comes to Cyberpunk. So um, let's get started first. Reviews were nearly, you know, were really, really strong. I think uh, last time I checked, they were hovering around the 90 mark on Metacritic. That's fantastic, obviously, with a little bit of variation. We had a few lower scores in there. I think uh, the one that jumped out to pretty much everyone uh, was, was it GameSpot, I think? Uh, gave it a 7, uh, which isn't a bad score by any means, but is obviously below the crazy expectations that I think had built up over the years. Um, but yeah, it sounds like essentially it's much more of an RPG than some people maybe expected because of the first person perspective. And, you know, a lot of the trailers, a lot of the gameplay has been focused on sort of gunplay uh, and driving. So um, yeah, very heavily RPG based, which sounds good to me. And I'm quite looking forward to diving into all that. Um, uh, looks beautiful, at least, at least hold your horses on a high end PC the highest end PC, you know, if you've got the top of the range 3080 Ti um, graphics card and a really modern um, setup more generally, uh, it looks like it really is a showcase for all the new technologies um, that that PC will be able to run. So ray tracing, um, really smooth frame rates, really high fidelity, uh, and just loads of interesting bells and whistles really showing off the power of DLSS as well, which I think is going to be really interesting this year. So um, essentially an AI, um, a kind of AI tool to, to tidy up an image. So really, um, yeah, at its best, Cyberpunk looks fantastic. Now, the second part of that story, or the second part even of that sentence almost, is... Um, it doesn't always look its best. And I think this is something that I was really, really conscious of pre-launch. We had not seen any footage on the base consoles, the PS4, Xbox One, or the One S. And that meant to me that something, well, they just didn't want to show it. And um, actually, I think we have to call out the fact that that was a really, really crappy move on CD Projekt Red's part um because lo and behold and i don't think it's any huge surprise really if you've been paying attention um but it does not run well or it does not look good uh on the sort of base consoles from last gen um now as i say it's probably no surprise certainly i think no surprise given that they haven't shown any footage of it pre-launch that was very suspicious uh and we did get some footage albeit not very much and quite late on the xbox one x ps4 pro and then running in compatibility on the new consoles the ps5 and xbox series x um so the fact that we hadn't seen anything from those uh, base consoles was very very suspicious um but yeah the uh particularly pre-patched and then even with day one patches and things it looks um pretty pretty compromised on those base consoles now you know i've seen people say well of course they're old consoles it's a high sort of you know high demand game it's open world so it's going to need um, a lot of power all those things are true but they're selling it on those consoles people should really 
no, should not even there's no question they should definitely have had the chance to know what they were buying and for me actually as a consumer there's no way i was going to pre-order that game without having seen that um on those consoles i think that's probably the, the watch out but you know that's very much blaming the the kind of victim here really because um i think the the fact that cd project red had they obviously knew how it was performing on those base consoles and just staying silent about it, getting the pre-orders through, uh, it's it's active deception, I would say. It's, it's no accident. It's a clear plan. And obviously you want to market your game in the best possible way, but to show nothing of those consoles really is a bit of a, a bit of a dick move in my opinion so not surprised um that it's not looking great it's in a way maybe a bit of a miracle that it's running at all but they have had to take huge huge compromises with um particularly with uh resolution and with texture quality to get it to run at anything like a playable frame rate and apparently even then it's still not really a playable frame rate uh, in many cases i've seen some pretty awful footage although again some of that was pre-patch and not all of it so um yeah i think the short version is if you are um looking to play cyberpunk and you have one of those consoles uh, and you plan to upgrade i'd definitely be uh wary of doing that maybe holding off until you have upgraded to the new machines um, if that's the only way you're going to be able to play, then it's good that you get to play the game. And, you know, I'm sure that these things will, um, they're manageable. But uh, yeah, clearly the best way to play that game is on a really top end PC. And hopefully uh, when the patches come out for the, or the sort of next gen versions, upgrades come out for the Series X and PS5, um, that should really be a really interesting benchmark for those consoles uh, and that is where i am going to be playing it so um decided quite a while ago that i would be playing on series x i upgraded um and then was a little bit i think i mentioned last episode was a little bit tempted to just dive in uh now with the extra power of the new consoles um but running the, the essentially the the last gen version um having kind of seen and read and understood a fair bit about what was going on in the last few weeks um i and also acknowledging that i've just still got loads of other games i need to play um i'm definitely going to hold out so yeah i'll be playing cyberpunk in 2021 uh and as we will cover uh, fairly shortly uh, i do tend to be a little bit behind so that's no problem for me um and that's the cyberpunk reviews if you've got a copy and you're playing it i'd love to know what you think um certainly people seem quite happy in coming forward with their opinions on that game uh, either way so uh yeah please drop me a comment let me know what you think um the other side of the cyberpunk thing though which i did want to talk about as well is the just the absolute horrendous toxicity around uh the discussion around cyberpunk um so yeah i mean having talked about fanboys uh and uh, the sort of uh, console comparisons last time um it is really really depressing to see that there's actually i think kind of there's there's a step lower <laughs> that we can go in terms of conversation and uh, certainly um i think gamers collectively uh, have kind of hit that low uh when it comes to cyberpunk you know you've got um a 
significant and very vocal group of people who are just determined to defend the game 100% regardless of one, whether they've actually played it, and two, whether they're uh, horrendous things about it, which they clearly are um, in, in various ways. So, you know, it doesn't mean it's a bad game. It doesn't mean it's uniformly awful. It doesn't mean um, that people uh, aren't attacking it with an agenda. In some cases, maybe that's the case. But um, there are clearly legitimate issues around that game. And um, first of all, you've got to accept uh, some degree of uh, conversation, let alone a criticism. Um, so that is just nuts. The second thing, um, which is really horrendous, is that that is seemingly very, very uh, regularly turning into abuse for the people who have raised any kind of criticism. And that's just nuts. I mean, even if you play and love the game, just because someone else doesn't doesn't mean you have to uh, throw abuse their way or in one case you know try and trigger a fit for someone who is epileptic I mean it's, it seems almost uh, it, it seems like I'm making it up but no people have been that awful um, so yeah in in the case of cyberpunk unfortunately uh, having talked about the as I say the lows that people will go to uh, when it comes to sort of trying to um, you know celebrate in uh, in the sort of tribalism of, of console wars um, it appears that there are other topics where people can really um, let themselves down and this is another one so uh, yeah to start on a less than happy note I thought that was uh, something that deserved to again be called out because quite frankly um, you know some of the stuff that has been going on these last few days is just absolutely appalling makes me a little bit embarrassed to be a gamer albeit a, uh, a relatively grown-up one uh, I think it takes the discussion back a few steps in terms of you know um, it doesn't make gaming any le less a legitimate uh, pastime or art form from makers but you know if we want to be treated as a um, you know mainstream cultural uh, what's the word I'm looking for I always get at least one of these one episode but you know a part of culture a part of discourse and a part of um, sort of mainstream conversation then there's a responsibility on gamers as well to um, actually behave in the right way and uh, to have those sort of sensible discussions otherwise no wonder people think that um, gamers are all kind of socially uh, socially backward idiots because that's what the loudest people uh, seem to be portraying right now so yeah not, no criticism of anyone listening to this pod unless that was you in which case come on get a grip uh, but I feel a little bit um it's not a great week to uh, to be talking about games. However, plenty of good stuff to talk about, so let's move on and talk about that. And with that, the second thing I wanted to cover was, I thought, a really big news story, which has kind of snuck through. Again, um, some people have less interest in uh, cloud gaming than I do, um, so maybe that's why. Um, but Xbox um, or Microsoft snuck out or, or sort of quietly released a uh, press um, press release this week uh, saying that um, xCloud or cloud gaming for Xbox 
would come to PC and iOS uh, in the spring. So that is, I mean, they'd said both were coming. I think the iOS thing obviously got kind of held back uh, because of Apple's policies around the native app and the fact that uh, Microsoft would have had to jump through some fairly ridiculous hoops uh, to get their xCloud app on iOS. So instead, they're going down the web app route, which uh, seems to be a entirely kind of... Um, well, it's a very odd distinction from Apple's point of view because it's effectively doing the same thing. But uh, who knows? They seem happy with it. Maybe that they just can't block it because it would look uh, insane, actually. You know, against uh, against all kinds of principles of what you can do with your own web browser. Uh, and so, yeah, XCloud will be a um, a web app on iOS. So presumably that means, I don't know if, again, it will be linked through the store in any way, um, but you'll have to have a, uh, you know, you have an icon on your home screen, just like you would with any other app, um, but it might just be a shortcut to, um, to the relevant part of the web. Um, so yeah, xCloud will be hitting iOS in the spring, which obviously is great news if you own an iPad, iPhone, or any of the other devices that will be able to play it. And it's great news for Microsoft because it means that they can now really start to hammer home that um, advantage of being able to play all or nearly all, I think. I think there are still some um, restrictions, but nearly all of the Game Pass library uh, anywhere you go. And hopefully uh, in 2021, we'll actually be going more places as well. Um, so that's not bad timing either. Um, the other part of that, which I'm excited about, is uh, XCloud coming to PC, um, which, again, I thought um, was, I think it was planned for 2020. I'm sure at XO19, uh, Microsoft mentioned that the plan was for this current year. But, you know, obvious reasons, I think um, nothing is, uh, you know, I don't blame anything that got delayed this year and uh, it looks like this was another one. But that will be a big deal because uh, being able to stream on PC, that opens things up. You know, if you are using xCloud as a kind of second screen when uh, maybe your main TV is being taken up in the house and you you just want to play a game but, but on a different screen, then this obviously means you can play it on, you know, your laptop screen or even a, a monitor. Um, and suddenly that's... Uh, almost certainly bigger than any Android device that you've got in the house. Uh, also, that then hopefully gives a clue that we will get the rumoured or rather trailed by Microsoft um, upgrade of the blades to more powerful hardware. Because at the moment, I think xCloud is still capped at 720p. And as soon as you start going on the bigger screens, I think there's going to be a real uh, kind of clamour and a real incentive for them to get those resolutions, uh, start lifting those resolution limits on the streaming. And so far, you know, at 720p, the technology, I think, has been pretty impressive. So, um, again, I think that is a big deal because Microsoft Xbox versus the uh, PlayStation 5 is going down a really different route. And I think that uh, xCloud is such a strong part of that, such a big part of what they're trying to do, um, that without it or, you know, with it delayed or compromised, not on the devices that they were hoping for, um, I think that does actually, uh, you know, 
it sort of compromises what they're trying to do. So I think that is one big thing to watch in the spring is how hard then um, Microsoft and Xbox push uh, marketing about xCloud and also how much it's taken up because, again, it'll be interesting to know, you know, if uh, it's just a few people like me who are sort of talking about it and interested in it, then, you know, it's all well and good that it can do it. But uh, if consumers don't want it, don't use it, um, then it's uh, not going to make much difference in terms of getting more subscribers. And, you know, as a subscriber to Game Pass myself, uh, the more subscribers, then obviously the more the money comes in, the more Microsoft will be out there chasing content for that um for that subscription service and uh yeah so it's better for everyone who subscribes if we get more subscribers through the door so fingers crossed hi guys uh giles again just jumping in on the day after and the morning after the games award game awards rather um so yeah i managed to squeeze in a couple of minutes so uh, hopefully um at least briefly anyway i can acknowledge that a hell of a lot happened last night um and so i just wanted to make sure that I recorded a little bit. Um, sorry, but if the sound levels are a bit different for this section, um, obviously I am chucking it in after the event, so just want to be upfront. Um, so yeah, what happened? Uh, lots of winners, lots of awards. I can't uh, cover them all, obviously, in a very limited time, uh, and lots of announcements. I think um, I think Hades uh, was a really popular winner. Um, really want to get to that game and it's great uh last of us part two uh as i said i'm in the middle of playing it so every time i talk about it i kind of worry that someone's going to spoil it um so i jumped through that but yeah i think a very popular um winner there too um and among us i just thought was um uh, particularly worth shouting out because their acceptance speech was so so sincere and lovely and cute so uh, the award side of it I'm not sure there were any huge surprises there, um, but always a good, fun part of the year. And then in terms of announcements, I think there were a surprising number, really. And again, can't go through them all, unfortunately. I just wanted to pick out a few uh, that I thought were of particular interest. Um, and yeah, just so quickly shouting out to Rapid Fire, um, Back for Blood. I think uh, seeing what is essentially Left 4 Dead 3 makes me very, very excited. Um, loved those first two games and played those a lot. So really pleased that the developers are essentially having another crack, crack at it, albeit without the license. So yeah, Back for Blood, um, a sort of co-op uh, zombie survival escape type game. If you've not played the Left 4 Dead games, I would highly recommend either playing them if you can or um, at least looking up what they are because that might explain why us oldies are so excited uh, about Back for Blood. Um, I thought Crimson Desert looked really nice. Um, never got into Black Desert Online, but it's the same developers, but it looked really pretty um, and looked very Assassin's Creedy to me. So in terms of sort of visually striking, that was one that jumped out. Um, Arc 2 with Vin Diesel, uh, really um, surreal little moment there, but um, again, looks very interesting. Uh, Returnal uh, coming to PS5 in March. That game doesn't quite grab me just yet, but um, nice trailer. And Disco Elysium, um, again, looks like it's got a timed exclusivity on the PlayStation, but coming to consoles uh, next year. So I think it was March for PlayStation. And I think I read from Jason Schreiber that, um, yeah, it'll be summer on Xbox. 
Um, right, so what else was there to cover in a little bit more detail? Not much, don't have time, I'm afraid. But uh, Evil Dead game, that was a surprise. Uh, very exciting. Uh, looked good as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Love the Evil Dead films. And if they can bring any of the, you know, this sort of humor and action combination through, that will be one to watch. And then the top three for me um, that really stood out, uh, Mass Effect, I think probably comes third, but only because we sort of knew that there would be another Mass Effect. Uh, Bioware had already said that, um, but really good to see a little teaser um, and Mass Effect will continue. Uh, so that's good for those of us who uh, really enjoyed the original trilogy. Um, and um, yeah, I haven't got to Andromeda yet, so I can't really comment, but um, yeah. Everyone uh, seemed to have a strong view on that game. Um, but uh, yeah, Mass Effect, if it's back to its glory days, then that is a big deal. Uh, second story for me coming out of Game Awards though, and I think this is a really big industry story, uh, is uh, Flight Simulator coming to Xbox. Again, we knew it was happening, um, but due in the summer 2021, I think that's uh, that's big news obviously it's not going to be the kind of um, mainstream uh, story driven single player it's not going to probably um, sort of move the dial for those people who are looking for their uh, you know their Uncharted or their Last of Us is on, on Xbox um, but it's a stunning looking game and coming to Xbox uh, with a really nice looking trailer however um, the thing that I thought jumped out from it was that um, it's coming to essentially next-gen Xbox only, so Series X and S, um, and that will be less than a year after the launch of those consoles. Now, um, I think it's probably a good move for the game, but not questioning that, and especially having just seen all the Cyberpunk stuff, you know, it's, there's no point really releasing uh, the game on a, a, an older system if it's not going to be able to cope with it. Um, but Xbox did make a huge deal out of this year or two. Uh, I think they said a couple of years. I need to go back to the exact quote from Phil, but the implication was that uh, it would be 2022 until we saw um, Xbox games that were exclusive to next gen. And Xbox got a lot of crap for this. I don't know if you remember, um, but um, when they announced this and Sony were talking about there being a clear generation of divide, which they've also backtracked on and started releasing cross-gen with Marvel, Spider-Man, uh, Miles Morales, uh, with Horizon, and um, who knows if anything else is going to be cross-gen. Uh, Rumours about God of War, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, Microsoft also now have ro rode back the other way uh, because this is a big um, Microsoft title, Xbox title that will only be on next gen. Uh, and I think I think that's the right move, to be honest. But I do think, uh, having called out lots of companies for um, bad communication, I think this is another one where um, they should at least acknowledge uh, that they uh, they kind of overstated the time frame. Um, I personally, I still think, and I've talked about this before, I really think that what we're going to get is Series X and S games streaming on the old consoles, so using them as a essentially a streaming uh, receiver. Um, again, that's not the same as being native on those consoles, so I can see why people might be annoyed, but if you are an owner of one of those, uh, Xbox One, One S or One X, 
um, then I think you will still potentially be able to play this game, albeit via streaming. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really important to call out, um, not just because I think it's big news and it's sort of snuck out there, um, but also because, um, yeah, again, big company not quite doing what they said they would do. In fact, it's doing sort of the opposite. Uh, so a uh, bit of a slap on the wrist there for Microsoft. But again, I think the end result is correct i think that is the right thing to do and i'm excited because that means that a lot of these games that were trailed in the summer for xbox that were um seemingly further away because they were exclusive to next gen uh, that obviously opens the door for things like um for things like uh everwild a fable uh what else was announced, Avowed, all these games that looked phenomenal and looked like they would be next-gen exclusive so that people assumed they would be 2022. I think they probably still are, but this opens the door for them to be sooner, so that's exciting. Uh, and then the big story for me uh, as a, um, yeah, just a follower of the industry, I've been really curious what the initiative were up to and the return of Perfect Dark. Uh, so again, heavily rumoured in this case, but not confirmed. So that's why this is, for me, the biggest story coming out of Games Awards, uh, which is that Perfect Dark um, Rare's uh, unofficial uh, Golden Eye sequel from back in the day, and then the Perfect Dark Zero uh, prequel, which didn't get quite such good reviews, it's fair to say. Um, but also, you know, the initiative are... Uh, a hugely talented group of people who've been kind of pulled together specifically by Microsoft uh, to develop a uh, you know top level um, single player I believe they've specified gaming experience so I think this is a huge deal because this is their this is their play for um, you know starting to compete with with Sony's uh, amazing first party games and taking an old IP but making it fresh again we've seen how successful that could work with something like God of War um, and although this was only a cinematic trailer I think the the concept the story uh, the mood that it's set um, really is interesting it looks like they're not afraid to play with um, the concepts in the original um, and so it's not going to be a it's not going to be a sequel. It's not going to be a extremely loyal remake or upgrade. It's it's clearly its own thing, but taking hopefully what was strong about the original games, uh, and obviously you know having the benefit of the IP uh, for a new um, studio is big news. And um, yeah, you know it was announced. <laughs> it's kind of throwaway announcement after the video. Jeff Keighley's. Uh, uh, sort of hype levels were somewhat muted I thought um, but it is to me anyway really big news coming out of the show and great that it's out there because now um, people can stop speculating about it and also um, hopefully then uh, initiative can start talking about it uh, so that was the game awards in 10 minutes uh, hopefully have done it a bit of justice in the time that I've got and now I will drop you back to uh, the show I recorded yesterday Okay, so because it's the last show of the year, and because I want to, <laughs> and it's my show, uh, no, uh, because I thought it was hopefully make a good episode, I was going to just very quickly kind of give my little year in review of gaming for 2020. Uh, obviously, you know, there's been lots of other things happening in 2020, um, but I uh, just want to talk about gaming for uh, the next 
uh, I guess 10, 20 minutes or so. Uh, and let's start off with the games. Uh, so as a year, I think it was actually, it was a really, really strong year for games in general, particularly because it was kind of the end of a console cycle. Um, so just picking out some sort of highlights, uh, March was kind of, it was sort of started fairly quietly this year. And then March, we had Ori in the Will of the Wisps on Xbox, probably the best Xbox exclusive this year, uh, in my opinion. I haven't finished it though um, yet, because I was waiting to play it on the Series X, and then I've got distracted by a couple of things. Um, so, but yeah, that was a really strong start to the year from them. Uh, we had the brilliant double barrel, uh, double bill on the same day of Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing, uh, which, uh, you know, I just thought was the perfect illustration of how uh, there's a game out there for everyone. Very, very different. Uh, and in the same month in March as well, we had Half-Life Alex. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was March. I'm now having doubts. It was March, right? Yeah, pretty sure. Should look these things up. Let's say March. Um, but, you know, if uh, even a few years ago it has told people there'd be a new Half-Life game, it would be a sort of full-fledged game with the caveat that it was uh, only playable in VR. So I think that restricted it a little bit, which is a shame because it sounds like it was amazing um, and, you know, was a really, really good experience. I would be really interested and um, I'm quite curious um whether i mean presumably playstation because they have a vr headset um go chasing half-life alex for the ps5 um you know if they do release a sort of upgraded psvr that would be um the game to show it off and with microsoft you know microsoft um feels like a almost a in a way a, an easier uh sort of port or an easier move from the pc uh it's obviously it's been running and usable i think on on kind of windows vr machines and um, but microsoft don't have a vr headset on the series x so that would be a huge announcement and again that would be if they are going to go into vr that would be a great way to do it so maybe that's one to look out for in e3 or around the summer even if there is no e3 because who knows what will happen in 2021 um so yeah really strong month in march and then um just picking out a couple of themes really PS4, uh, I think, had really an amazing last year, um, you know, considering, um, well, especially now we know that uh, a lot of the teams were already working on and had quite far, had progressed quite far on some pretty impressive games for launch for PS5. Um, you know, you think about the last six months or so of the PlayStation 4, you got Final Fantasy VII Remake, Last of Us Part 2 uh, and Ghost of Tsushima and Ghost of Tsushima I think is already a won the what's it called Gamers Voice Award essentially the like People's Choice uh, Award at the Game Awards uh, Last of Us Part 2 I think is up for a lot of awards tonight uh, or last night or whenever you're listening to this uh, was up for a lot of awards at the Game Awards I wouldn't be surprised if that won um, and I am currently playing Last of Us Part 2 so please don't why did I say that? Now you're going to uh, tweet me with spoilers and stuff. Please don't do that. I'm really enjoying it. Well, enjoying it's the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Um, so, yeah, PS4 had a really strong last year. Xbox, uh, just to sort of cover that off, really, I mentioned Ori. I think it had a really good step in the right direction. Um, 
obviously Ori, I think, was still the highlight. So what that says to me was that it was still lacking the killer title. Clearly, you know, Microsoft thought that was going to be Halo Infinite, but uh, we'll get to that. Um, but the improvement, I think, was really that um, Game Pass, obviously Game Pass, <laughs> just game bars um and then really in the sort of quantity and variety of what they um what they offered so you know first party um we had a lot of kind of high 70s type games um and to me actually those quite often are, are the most interesting um but you know as well as Ori, we had tell me why which i thought was really good um we had uh, grounded which looks really interesting it's obviously still in uh, what do they call it? Game preview, I think, on Xbox. I always get these uh, slightly confused. We had Wasteland. We had a couple of others which I'm forgetting about, which I shouldn't do, but suddenly my mind's gone blank. Yeah, totally blank. Um, and so generally, oh, Battletoads was the other one I was going to pull out. So again, a sort of 70s, um, high 70s sort of experience. Um, you know, good solid games um variety in genre uh and generally you know good quality without being fantastic um but again you know more of a cadence and i think hopefully that is a sign to come in terms of um the sort of investment in studios really starting to pay off although things do look still quite quiet for sort of year one of the series x which surprises me i really thought that microsoft would uh, have it um more in hand by this point but who knows we will find out fairly soon so gaming wise i think a really strong year and so ps4 um in particular um, had a really, really good year. Half-Life Alex on the PC and then Animal Crossing on um, Switch. So those were my sort of thoughts on games during this year. I think um, the next subject really in my reviews about uh, COVID, uh, so I said I was only going to talk about gaming. This is about gaming, but it's really showing, like, number one, just how important gaming can be in people's lives and also how what a positive influence it can be so i wanted to offset some of my um doom and gloom about the cyberpunk situation by just you know the fact that gaming helped people connect when they were having to isolate or you know where they were in a lockdown and therefore they could have been really uh, isolated and lonely so having that opportunity i think just shows the power of gaming and i um, think this year was a perfect demonstration of just how positive gaming can be for people's mental health, uh, for meeting new friends, for building friendships. And for me, actually, I've, I've got a job at the moment in the industry. Um, and, you know, I've met some amazing people through a shared love of games. We uh, get to talk about what we like. Mostly, again, it's me talking about games that people probably played two or three years ago and they're trying to remember if they liked it or not um but yeah so just for me you know how gaming really stood out in the year of covid um and then in addition uh i think that uh, obviously animal crossing i mentioned on the switch i mean that was just an absolute phenomenon wasn't it again it would be interesting if that would have been quite the same uh, in any other year i think it probably would have been a huge hit but whether it got another bump through covid we'll never know fall guys as well i think was just the perfect game at the right time people needed that kind of silliness that lightness and that kind of fun so that was uh, another one 
and then for me it wasn't me this year but ring fit i think uh, deserves calling out as a kind of and also actually personally a game called fitness boxing on the switch which i'm really enjoying um and is kicking my ass as well so that's a pretty good combination those two ring fit and fitness boxing together plus a few other little programs that i've been working um just keeping people fit when they maybe can't go out and be that active outside so you know the the positive side of gaming uh, i thought was really worth calling out especially after i complained about cyberpunk um two things that i think it has not been the year of uh number one uh, it is not the year of streaming uh so despite my um you know enthusiasm for game streaming i think that uh, i understand lots of people are less enthusiastic um and i think also the the big thing is the the flexibility the portability of streaming um well wasn't really very useful was it this year <laughs> um you know it's nice that you could uh, play your game anywhere but you have to be anywhere to play it in the first place and um you know most of us were home most of the time this year so you know that took away one of the big pluses that's what i'm trying to say and also the other thing is that you know obviously you know a lot of people were using their uh, connections for work they're on zoom calls all day uh, they were you know family were working from home there's a lot of strain on the internet generally you know we saw uh, I don't know if it happened all around the world, but in Europe, and certainly in the UK, we had some restrictions on streaming quality on Netflix, uh, and I think Disney Plus, a couple of other services that sort of downscaled. Um, I think they put a cap at 1080p on their streams. Um, and so, you know, there was almost certainly a bit more pressure on those networks this year. Um, I thought... I did think that this year might be the year for Stadia, if it was going to do anything, it was going to be this year. I don't know if you remember, I wrote an article uh, for Jump Cut, I think last October, September maybe 2019, um, because I had cancelled my pre-order for Stadia. Uh, feels like a right decision. <laughs> uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but even at the time it felt like a, easily the right decision. It felt like they were... Um, you know, kind of half half baked uh, at launch, or were gonna be, and I think that's sort of um, saw through that that viewpoint ended up being true. Uh, and I think what I'm surprised at is that they still feel really, really in startup. Um, I think just the lack of momentum for Stadia is pretty concerning. If I was Google, if I were Google, um, and I think that one of the best things for them is uh just how badly cyberpunk is running on the current gen consoles just how hard to get hold of the new consoles are and apparently just how well uh having just read some stuff about it just before i jumped on to record um just how well it does seem to be running on stadia so be interesting maybe cyberpunk will be the game that finally sort of persuades people of this uh of this kind of potential for um that stadia has and it definitely does have potential but it just hasn't got there yet i personally i think if they went down the the sort of uh, subscription or rental model as opposed to the purchase model i think that would take away my concerns i'm currently on a pretty terrible internet connection uh, but it's only because i'm uh, currently flat sitting and the internet here is rubbish um, but fairly soon, next few months, I will hopefully get 
back into my place and uh, at that point um, I'd be really really interested to um, try it out because I like trying things out and I am not sort of you know philosophically against streaming I think that it's uh, it can be pretty cool um Amazon Luna obviously launched as well so uh limited I think beta or you know limited access um tests uh that has gone down the subscription model and therefore to me immediately is possibly more interesting than stadia uh and then i mentioned already xcloud you know xcloud um still in beta at the moment um but you know went sort of wide uh, access to everyone this year uh and i think again um my my eyes now are on next year as the point where people will make their decision about these technologies but for me xcloud is uh the model that i really like obviously as a as a predominantly xbox gamer i'm already there but also um you know that hybrid between being able to play on your console at full fidelity and then being able to stream as a sort of supplementary um service that to me is is that's the the sweet spot but yeah, 2020, not the year of streaming games. Maybe 2021. Let's come back again next year and we'll find out. Uh, and then the other thing I think it's not the year of was VR. Um, if any game was going to take VR mainstream, I think it was Half-Life, Half-Life Alex. Um, but it, it's just the cost. I mean, it's the cost. And I think the sort of, um, what's the word? inconvenience of um, the current sort of setup. Uh, VR setup. It's just, first of all, it's not very social. Obviously, that's less of a problem at the moment, but, um, you know, it's also very fiddly with the number of wires uh, around your house. That makes it very awkward and makes it quite bulky to store. But also, just, you know, clearly VR is not uh, set the world on fire right now. The world is on fire right now. So maybe that was the wrong expression uh, to use. Um, but yeah, I think um, I've been really, you know, I've been quite a regular user of PlayStation VR since I got it. I was surprised I went through a period, you know, fairly standard, uh, bought it um, and used it a fair bit pretty much didn't play it for a long time thought mm, that was kind of a gimmick um and then again maybe partly due to covid but i've really enjoyed jumping into vr every now and again uh, it's good to have some different surroundings um and i think there's been a really good trickle of experiences that said technically playstation vr is really really showing its age i mean it was when it launched to be honest the controllers in particular are dreadful i would actually think it would transform things even if they just released some decent controllers as this kind of stopgap. And then those were the controllers that came with the, the next gen. Um, but the other thing is resolution. And, and, you know, if they are going to go wireless as well, that would obviously be a massive step forward. So again, VR I don't think is, is quite ready to hit the mainstream. Not sure if it ever will be. I think the one um, headset that really had the potential to do that actually was the Oculus Quest. Um, and that I was very, very tempted to pick up a quest. I have not, and I have not because of Facebook. And I think that again is probably uh, going to be a lot of people's kind of rationale. So, you know, but a kind of standalone wireless headset that does pretty good experiences and just kind of 
um, doesn't have all those downsides that I was talking about earlier, apart from the lack of power, um, I think that is the model that will um, break through. So, you know, if there's another company out there or if uh, Oculus and Facebook, for whatever reason, at any point decide to uh, to sort of go separate ways, then, um, yeah, that would be interesting, uh, whether the Quest can be the one uh, to sort of drive interest in VR. But right now, it seems pretty niche again. Uh, and I think um, yeah, it looks to me like if it was really going to take off, it would have been this year, like I said, with Half-Life. But who knows, maybe if it comes to console, that would be the point. And, uh, you know, talking about this year, can't not talk about the new consoles, although I've done plenty of that already, so I'm not going to spend too long about it. Um, I think, the obviously, the new consoles is a big story. It was a big story before they came out, you know, um, they probably very few episodes of this podcast when I wasn't talking about either some speculation or some news that had come out. Um, and, you know, it's just an exciting time in the industry when new consoles come through. Um, you get you tend to get more new IPs at the start of a generation. So a bit more creativity, a bit more, a few more risks taken. Um, and that leads usually to more interesting stuff, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, exciting times, lots to talk about. I think as well, um, for me, the sort of some of the potential of the technology is, is really exciting. Um, the, you know, the, the sort of presence or the kind of legitimacy that some ray tracing, uh, shadows, reflections, those sorts of things can bring to a scene really do make a difference for me. I think that's um, one of the things I'm really excited about for the upgraded cyberpunk Um but also, you know, looking at Miles Morales, looking at some of the new titles, it's just a really exciting time to see if that's what they can do at launch or in the first few months, excuse me, of launch, then, you know, these consoles are going to be, yeah, there's going to be lots of new experiences. And the lack of load times that we've seen already, um, you know, I've got used to it. So perhaps I'm spoiled already. Sorry, there's a motorbike going past, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop and edit today. I'm just gonna crack on. Um so yeah, the lack of load times I think is also something that people will get used to very, very quickly, but is a real big step forward. Um both consoles I think are really impressive. I think the PS5 has obviously got off to a stronger start in terms of software, um, but I think it's probably too early to say uh, to take any kind of um, take any kind of theme or direction from that. Um, as I said earlier, I think both are doing different things, so um, just interesting to see where they go. And I think we'll probably see more divergence in the next year uh, rather than um, them coming to the same place. So I think Xbox will, uh, I believe, start to release the sorts of games which will show off the Series X um, a bit more. But I don't think we're going to see, you know, I think we're going to see very clear examples of how differently those two companies are treating these consoles um and i think as i say xbox um you know their big big news for the spring will be xcloud um it won't be a new game uh and i think sony will be you know clearly they are already focused on ratchet uh, and i think then horizon uh, and even god of war if that does make its 2021 release date uh, those are three massive games on playstation already oh you know Confirmed already, not already, you know what I mean.
Right, so uh, last thing for me to cover is my games of the year. Uh, and as I have mentioned both before this podcast and during this podcast a couple of times, um, I have not really played many games this year that came out this year. In fact, I've played surprisingly few games this year. I've been looking at my list and actually a lot of my a lot of the things I've been playing are kind of comfort food, you know, comfort food gaming. So, you know, classics, FIFA or Pro Evo, um, a fair bit of um, simple multiplayer stuff like Mario Kart and Overcooked with family, um, and then things like Forza Horizon 4. So, um, yeah, lots of kind of, yeah, I said comfort food gaming. Um, rather than anything particularly new. So my games of the year, how I treat this, is this is games that I've played this year. Um, so yeah, apologies. You are, if you're here for, um, you know, which games that came out this year that I loved, uh, you'll hear a little bit of that. But um, yeah, that's not me, I'm afraid. Not this year anyway. Maybe next year. Maybe that's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to try and be current. Yeah, we'll see. Probably not. Okay, so a first kind of section, um, I'm ruling these out of contention uh, straight away, but these are games that I either have not finished or, uh, like I said, I'm still playing, but they're just, you know, they're just older games that I just keep going back to. So things like Forza Horizon, still loving Forza Horizon 4, still really enjoying it, really enjoyed a lot, of, seeing a lot of games, um, seeing their uh, improvements on Series X. So, you know, initially, obviously, for the review and for curiosity, it was kind of going in and looking at the graphics, load times, you know, just trying to get a sense of, of what improvements the new console could bring. Um, but, you know, it also has been interesting just how many of the games that I've been playing for a year or in some cases years and years that I'm still getting a lot of fun out of. So, you know, particularly Forza, particularly um, Pro Evo on Game Pass, although it's just about to go off, a uh, bit of FIFA, um, Rocket League, some, you know, classics. Um, what I have been playing, I said, is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I've not finished that. Uh, I actually <laughs> I took a break from it because I decided that I wanted to try and finish The Last of Us Part 2 before the Game Awards, uh, unless I manage that in the next two hours, I have failed miserably, um, but really enjoying, and again, enjoying is not the right word, um, but I am very impressed with The Last of Us Part 2, um, however, I haven't finished it, so again, it doesn't make my cut, that would have been probably the game from this year that made my game of the year list. Uh, I'm also playing though, which is ridiculous. I've got a bit of a multitasking situation going on. Uh, I'm playing Immortals Phoenix Rising. So a new title from Ubisoft, um, very heavily Breath of the World, Breath of the Wild inspired, um, but also with some pretty strong influence from Assassin's Creed, as you'd expect. Um, really enjoying that, actually. And that is a review copy for Jump Cut. So, um, yeah, that and The Last of Us have had to take priority. Uh, I will hopefully get my review for Immortals out, I think, probably either the end of next week or the start of the week after. So uh, I've still got quite a long way to go. They didn't send the review copy until pretty late. Um, it was actually after it launched and then it's just been busy. So apologies. Uh, Ubisoft, if you're listening, please send us review copies in advance. We'll be able to get them done. 
Uh, oh, Tetris Effect was the other one I wanted to call out. Um, I've started again on Xbox Series X, really enjoying that, the connected version. I haven't played it multiplayer, um, but just, you know, really a convenience factor. Um, but I did already play it using PSVR previously and really enjoyed that. I've actually surprised how much I'm enjoying it on the flat screen um, because PSVR, I thought part of my experience, part of the experience of that was, um, you know, the immersion side of things. Uh, it is really, really cool, um, but it's just as much fun actually on a regular screen. So yeah, if you have Game Pass, uh, it's included, uh, give it a try. Uh, and if you don't, it is well worth playing. Um, right, second section. This is actually where I think I've spent most of my time this year. Um, and that is kind of smaller titles. Again, this is why I really like Game Pass, because it's exactly, uh, you know, it gives me the chance to, to sort of try a lot of these smaller, maybe slightly weirder off-topic off titles um, and play a lot of them. And actually, a lot of them I've ended up playing and um, completing um, and you know sometimes not that small so um, just to rattle through Carrion I think was probably my favorite um, if you've not played it it's really cool it's a uh, sort of metrovania side scroller but you play essentially as kind of the blob from the film um, you play as a yeah as a kind of I guess alien life form, not sure if they ever spe specify, but you know, some kind of uh, monstrous life form that kind of, uh, you know, you've got huge, hugely overpowered uh, ability to kind of charge through the level, destroying everything as you go and, you know, eating poor innocent scientists who are kind of running around trying to stop you. It's amazingly satisfying and um, therapeutic for this year, I've got to say. Uh, if you've not played it, I would recommend it wholeheartedly. I think that's still on Game Pass as well um, from Devolver. So that was my uh, my top one there. But um, also tell me why I really enjoyed. I'm a big fan of that um, sort of Telltale style, Don't Nod uh, style games. Uh, don't nod in this case. Um, really enjoyed the story. Thought it was actually really affecting. Um, and yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely my sort of thing. Uh, similar level to Coma. Uh, I think that is left Game Pass, I'm afraid. But uh, I would recommend picking it up. It's pretty short. Um, but a um, bit of a walking simulator in space. Uh, good fun. Unraveled 2 I played on uh, EA Play, which is now part of Game Pass. Um, definitely recommend that. And I'd recommend that if the, if you've got someone to play with as well. Um, I preferred the first one, um, but I was playing alone. And Unraveled 2 really heavily structured around co-op. So, um, yeah, it's still so charming, though. Such a charming world. God, it's loud motorbike day today. Sorry about that. Um, and what else? The Tourist really enjoyed that game played that three king's quest finally i finished king's quest the episodic version from like four years ago um actually again really enjoyed that you can see that you know this year for me was sort of a lot of tidying up and batman telltale series 2 uh is that the enemy within i think um yeah so most of the things I played, I really enjoyed. I've got a call out one, which seems a bit mean, but um, it's down here on my list. And I was 
really, really disappointed in it, which was After Party. Um, so it's by the same people who all of a sudden, I can't remember what that game is called. Oh, no. That's embarrassing. Hang on a sec. Oxenfree. Of course it is. Oxenfree. I really enjoyed Oxenfree, and I was really looking forward to After Party. Um, but I kind of, yeah, I just it just did not connect with me. You know, I played it through, I finished it. Um, there were definitely moments in there. I liked the humour, uh, I liked the relationships with the characters. But um, for me, Oxford Free had so much charm uh, and it was really kind of, uh, yeah, the mystery that was going on was really interesting. Um, just really liked the sort of slightly kind of X-Files-y vibe about it. Uh, obviously, the, the sort of uh, coming-of-age, teenage um, setting is good as well. After Party felt like kind of a very like one concept, high concept idea, which then sort of dragged out a bit, in my opinion. So, yeah. Um, not sure why I'm talking about a game I didn't enjoy that much on this list, um, but it's on my list here as, as one that I played recently, and uh, I wanted to uh, just uh, be honest. Don't love everything. That's okay. If you did, that's okay too. Don't hate me. I won't hate you. It's fine. Uh, enjoy what you like. Again, I'm looking at you, cyberpunk. Okay, so uh, just to close out, slightly bigger games that I played this year, and um, these really are sort of the ones in contention, I would say, for my game of the year. And remember, it's games that I played this year, not games that came out this year. So I feel like I should have a top five or a top, top ten. Uh, I've got a top six. Not sure why. Um, but these were the only ones I, I could think of looking back. I'm sure I also think I've missed out something big. Uh, so I'm sure at some point I'm going to look back and think that was that was the game. But I couldn't find it on my achievements. Couldn't find it uh, on my trophies uh, on PlayStation. And I have just drawn an absolute blank while I've been playing. So here we go. It's been a long year. Give me a break. Uh, in my top six, um, I guess. Oh, should have thought of this, shouldn't I? In sixth, I'm going to go for Wolfenstein 2. Uh, so I, again, it's Game Pass and sound like a broken record, uh, but amazing deal. Wolfenstein 2, I really enjoyed, but only when I, <laughs> uh, confession time, dropped down to whatever the difficulty level is, which is basically treat me like a baby. Um, so I thought it was worth including because I did enjoy it. Um, I really enjoyed the first Wolfenstein. The second one uh, I played back in the um, in the first lockdown. So I think that was probably part of why uh, it's on here. Because, yeah, what I really needed to do at that point in, in this year and in my life was just to be a uh, dumb action badass and just charge through that game Um preferably killing everyone in sight. Now that does make me sound a bit like a psycho. Uh, I'm okay with that. Um, but it was, you know, it was therapy again, much like with Carrion. Um, so yeah, Wolfenstein 2, when I was trying to play it on, I think just like the medium difficulty level, I was getting really frustrated. Uh, it felt like, you know, when you look at 
when you think about the game and you know the story of that game is ridiculous uh, deliberately ridiculous i should point out uh, and you know the 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 sort of concept is obviously uh, kind of Nazi killing uh, and, you know, big bombastic set pieces. So it feels to me that actually like it was sort of truer to the story to charge through it. Um, so that's my excuse anyway. But I really enjoyed it when I did set it that way. Big dumb fun. Could have done with a bit more challenge. So ideally, I think I would have, my sweet spot was probably between those two difficulty levels. Um, but yeah, I was glad not to have the frustration just went along for the ride and it's one hell of a ride so if you get the chance i think it's uh likely to come back to game pass once uh, microsoft complete the bethesda um acquisition and um yeah there's <laughs> there's some amazing stuff in that game uh, which i will not spoil for you but um check your brain at the door and enjoy uh number five on my list is vampire so uh another don't nod game um and i really really enjoyed it again <laughs> i played it in the first lockdown um wasn't the uh escape from reality that i was quite hoping it's set during the uh <laughs> set during the spanish flu uh which obviously isn't funny because lots of people died uh and it was horrible um but um it just felt very very strange playing a game where you were uh wandering around a town uh, where everyone was kind of locked indoors and uh, staying away from each other for fear of catching something. Uh, it felt very 2020. Um, and it's not the perfect game. It's To me, and why it's on the list, is it's a great illustration of why I tend to love a seven. Um, for me, it was very much a seven game, you know, a high seven, uh, but a seven because, you know, janky, uh, not necessarily the most uh, sort of brilliantly smooth game in terms of mechanics, in terms of progression, in terms of combat. There's lots of, you know, lots of things that you could score it down on. And yet it just had me kind of hooked and interested and I thought it did something different. Um, I was really enjoying it. There was a couple of battles where, again, maybe I'm just not very good, uh, but I was really struggling uh, and I could have done with uh, notching the difficulty down, but this time I did not. Uh, and I did finish the game and really enjoyed it. So again, just uh, set, in a, uh, set in a world that uh, I haven't played much in, um, very kind of uh, leaning heavily on all the vampire uh, law, some interesting stuff about kind of coming back from war, uh, and uh, you know the the protagonist being a doctor. It's kind of an interesting, um, an interesting kind of position that he was in uh, as both a vampire and a doctor. And I don't think that's a spoiler because it happens in like the first. Well, it's in the title. Come on, um, but it happens pretty much straight away. So yeah, vampire. I, I really enjoyed that game. That was quite a surprise to me. I was intrigued by it, um, but I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I did. And I did devour that game. Sorry. Um, next up, I think is going to be Yakuza 0. So uh, I have heard so much about Yakuza series that I had to try it. Uh, at least three of them now, I think, are on Game Pass. Uh, so Yakuza 0 is the prequel, but 
released fairly late in the cycle. It's, it's all very confusing. Uh, Yakuza Kiwami is then a remake of the first game, and then Kiwami 2 is a remake of the second game, and then I think the third game onwards are have not been remade. So then they sort of go backwards in terms of fidelity anyway, in terms of sort of graphical style. Um, but I'm afraid I won't be playing any others, I don't think, because it's just so damned long. Uh, but I did really enjoy it. Uh, and um, I can see why people love Yakuza. Again, uh, I talked about the sort of um, escapism and the silliness of Fall Guys and how I think people needed it this year. And um, Yakuza was uh, another one of those. It had, you know, it has a very serious, if you don't know it, it has a very serious, uh, you know, gangster story. Uh, very, very violent, very gory, um, and, you know, sort of melodramatic in the only way that kind of B movies can be. Um, but at the same time, it is ridiculous. You know, the mini games, uh, the things you do in your downtime, just exploring around. You can go into arcades. You can, you know, uh, go to restaurants and stuff. You can, uh, some of the side quests are uh, crazy. You know, you're sort of helping perverts, chasing perverts, helping cult members escape cults, helping someone who wants to be a breakdancer, all kinds of um, just random stuff. Uh, but yeah, that was really good fun. That The only downside to me was it was just too long. And maybe that's why there aren't more games on this list, because I was playing Yakuza for like half a year, or it felt like it. Uh, number three is A Plague Tale. I love this game. Um, I knew I would. It's definitely a Giles game, very much in my wheelhouse. And um, yeah, no surprises that it made it to my list. Um, really lovely relationship between the two main characters, brother and sister. Um, again, it's a bit like Vampire. It's set in a kind of it was a story and a setting that I have not played before or can't remember playing a game um, with the same kind of or similar concept. And it was just really, really good. Amazing that it came from a small team, looked great um, and played really well not the most um not the most active of games you know there's uh a few you know a fair few sort of action sequences a fair bit of stealth um but really a lot of the time again it's it's quite um it's quite chill and uh yeah as i said that's sort of my sort of thing really so enjoyed that game a lot uh really really interested i'm pretty sure I should, again it's another thing now that I feel I should have looked up uh, before um, before the episode. Now I'm sort of typing away to see if I can do it in time. But I'm pretty sure the developers are the same developers who did Flight Simulator, right, for Microsoft. Uh, so um, that is, yeah, a Sobo Studio. Uh, look at that, I made it in time. Um, so, yeah, really extraordinary um, achievement from that, that uh, small team. And um, I would be keeping an eye on them because uh, that's another game that I should, probably should have mentioned in my roundup. But um, Flight Simulator, I'm looking forward to that coming to Xbox. And, you know, it's not going to be for everyone, but it certainly looks stunning. Uh, and again, I think it will be a, a different type of experience and one that I could see myself uh, getting quite into, actually. Um, right, back to the list, sorry. Playtale, really good. Check it out. Uh, it's, I think, still on Game Pass. Who knows? Most things are on Game Pass. However, my top two 
if you are um, worried about my Game Pass focus right now, I played these two on PlayStation Now. Uh, yeah, so on my PS4, um, mostly downloaded. I actually played a bit of one of them streaming uh, because I was um, I was away from my PS4 for various reasons, life reasons, um, and uh, held up pretty well actually over a decent connection. I was in a in an office connection, uh, so um, yeah, I got to play that. Uh, in a weird little single office, which was fun. Um, number two then is Control, and uh, it's just come to Game Pass on Xbox. I knew I could not go one game without talking about Xbox. Pass. No, I played it on Xbox. Did I say Game Pass? Um, I played it on PS Now. So I had a um, month's free trial, I think, or a week's free trial. Yeah, a week's free trial uh, to play this and the other game that I'm going to talk about, which is my number one. Uh, and um, I couldn't finish the game I used the free trial for uh, in a week, uh, so I ended up paying for a month, uh, finished the first game, and then got to play Control. Uh, absolutely loved it. And so, yeah, if you are uh, on Game Pass, I'd highly recommend it. I've actually bought the Xbox version uh, in the sale recently. I Actually, I knew it was coming to Game Pass when I bought it, so I'm not annoyed. Uh, no, that's sort of the standard thing uh, to get irritated about, which is you buy something and then it comes to Game Pass for free. Um, I bought it because I love the game and I think they deserve my support of developers, Remedy. Uh, but also because I wanted access to the Xbox Series X version because the PC version with ray tracing is beautiful and uh, I'm really interested with what they can do with that. So curiosity and uh, wanting to support the developers, I have bought Control uh, and obviously then I get to play the uh, DLC as well, which I haven't played yet. So um, Control was, to me, a really good example of how uh, iterating on uh, similar ideas can um, really start to deliver results. So I really liked Alan Wake, but it's fair to say, in fact, I loved Alan Wake, um, but it's fair to say as a game, I think it had its weaknesses. I think that's fair to say. Um, as a story and um, really liked the characters and whatnot, um, that it had a lot going for it. Quantum Break is an interesting one. I think what they were trying to do with the marriage of games and TV was, was, you know, brave and did sometimes work, didn't always work. Um, made for quite a disjointed experience, so I thought it was interesting. Um, but again, in gameplay terms, you could see the progression from Alan Wake and then on to Control, you see the progression again. It's now just a really good game. And I think even if you're not as I am, so sort of driven by mood and story um if you just wanted to play it as it as a sort of um action adventure then you would have got a lot out of that game however uh, as a story and in terms of style that game is awesome uh so really enjoyed the story really enjoyed the weirdness uh really enjoyed what that team were doing um but also presentation wise you know when you enter a new area and you have this kind of um, dramatic uh, massive text on the screen that sort of describes where you are and stuff it just there's something so stylish about this game um, the color grading in the different areas um, the sound design just the, the the architecture which is a really weird thing to say I think when talking about a game but obviously the game is set in a in a massive building 
Um, and so there's just something really evocative about the way that game's built, I think. Um, yeah, I say really enjoyed it. Played a little bit of this over streaming, held up pretty well, made for one of the final battles, I think made it harder, or again, maybe it was just me being rubbish, but Control, um, very nearly my game of the year. And I would say, if you haven't played it, I think has easily the best uh, use of a licensed song this year. Although I have heard good things about Sackboy, so if you're shouting out Sackboy down the down the phone, down the phone, down the line, uh, or into your into your own personal void, that sounds a bit weird. Um, then um, I hear you. I just haven't played it yet. But yeah, Control had brilliant, brilliant use of a licensed track. Absolutely loved that. That whole sequence just had me so pumped. Um, however, uh, my game of the year, uh, which took me longer to get to than I was expecting, if I'm entirely honest, but we're, here we are, uh, is Spider-Man. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it's technically two years old by the time I got to it. Um, but I, I said I had a, a week PS Now trial um, for April, and I finally thought, right, well, it's locked down. I can probably do it in a week. Uh, I did have some other stuff to do as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, just what a game. Now, I feel slightly um, vindicated talking about this now because obviously a lot of people will be playing it for the first time as the Ultimate Edition on PS5. And because Miles Morales is um, just such a good launch title for PS5. But um, Spider-Man to me... Uh, I loved Sunset Overdrive on Xbox. I think that was a very underrated game. Really enjoyed the travel. Uh, pro tip, if you haven't played it, I played as the female character because someone tipped me off beforehand that the bloke was a bit of a dick uh, and uh, I can concur. Having gone back and played like five minutes as him, uh, I'm glad I chose the female protagonist who I thought was kind of, you know, just less obnoxious somehow um so yeah sunset overdrive would recommend that and you can see you know with ratchet uh with sunset and then into spider-man you can see how um how insomniac have uh just really nailed uh traversal weaponry uh maybe not weaponry with spider-man but um just they are masters of what they do. I'm I'm really staggered that they've managed to release such a quality game on the PS5 at launch, plus the remaster of Spider-Man, plus they are apparently ready uh, to release Ratchet very, very soon. You know, they talked about launch window. Um, that is phenomenal. And Spider-Man to me was not just my favorite game this year but i think one of my favorite games of the generation uh, and it's right up there for all time i think because it just to me it had the three things that i look for one is it was kind of interested me in terms of story um two was the kind of blood pumping set pieces i thought that it did it so well made them really thrilling without being frustrating so um just had a real blockbuster feel about it so really really enjoyed that um and then the third thing was just the traversal like open world games aren't always my sort of thing 
I sometimes feel they can be quite empty, quite tick listy, and you just go around collecting feathers or balloons or whatever uh, nonsense the developers have decided they will put in to try and string out the experience and you can be traveling through fairly empty fairly uninspiring um landscapes sometimes um with spider-man what i really enjoyed first of all most of the game was set in glorious sunlight big fan of blue skies ever since the sega days uh number two there was always something going on and actually although some of the side quests were a bit naff um, there was just so much happening, but it really felt incidental. It felt like you could ignore it. It felt like sometimes you wanted to do it because it was consistent with the character, which I, is a big thing for me in open world games. One of my big complaints about Watch Dogs, and I know lots of other people have bigger ones, but you know, in Watch Dogs, the first one, you're hunting down the person who killed your wife. Why would you go off to race against some augmented reality uh little machine thing like it just makes no sense for the character and that always bugs me with spider-man you're spider-man right so you're going to want to go and solve stop crimes and help innocents and all that sort of stuff and so yeah and just the feel of moving around was so so much fun i fast traveled once in that game uh, and that was mostly just to try it out um I think as well, I was like the top end of the map and I'd just gone because they do make you go backwards and forwards a fair bit towards the end. Um, I'd just um, navigated the whole way up and I had to pretty much navigate the whole way down and I just thought, no, now's the time to catch the subway. That's what Peter would do, right? Um, so yeah, my game of the year uh, is I think a game from 2018. Again, probably should have checked that before the show, but it's certainly not released this year, but is... Uh, Marvel Spider-Man on the PS4 Pro is where I played it via PS Now. So, uh, sorry, Insomniac, I did not give you any money. What I intend to do, though, is buy Miles Morales when I get a PS5. So that's the end of the show, and that is my last show of 2020. Uh, as I said, I'm going to take a little break over Christmas. Uh, I need a break, to be honest. It's been a long, long year, hasn't it, for all of us? Um, and I'm looking forward to actually just getting dug in, dug in? <laughs> getting stuck in uh, to those games that I'm playing, so finishing off The Last of Us, getting my review done for Immortals, uh, and then hopefully finishing Ori as well. So that's kind of my plan for the next few weeks. Um, so I will speak to you again in the new year. Um, just to say before I go, um, thank you for listening to the show throughout 2020. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed uh, some of the messages I've got through. No, I'm going to say some of the messages. I've enjoyed all of the messages I've got through, but I do really appreciate um everybody who listens uh if you've got any suggestions or comments for the show please do drop them through to me i'm really interested to hear and as i say i think i'm gonna have to shift to sundays going forward um purely because like today i'm going to be working uh on the friday makes it very very difficult to um get things out on time consistently and what i don't want to do is start 
um, just missing deadlines and you know moving the dates around and stuff so keep an eye out for that if you subscribe to this channel then you will obviously get the next episode which will be sometime mid-January uh, if you don't want to subscribe then how dare you um, that's okay uh, but yeah if you uh, if you do subscribe that would be awesome uh, and if you like it please tell other people about the show I'm always keen to build an audience um, the other way obviously is to follow me on Twitter I'm Giles Went West uh, and I'll be tweeting about when the next show comes out uh, Giles Went West as well on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network so if over the Christmas period you fancy uh, a game of something uh, just trying to think what I've got well obviously anything in Game Pass is an easy one uh, I have just re-upped my PS Plus subscription because I'll let it I'll let it slide for a bit so um, yeah maybe a round of Fall Guys or something um, or I do have a Nintendo Switch friend code so you know message me if you want to if you want to play Mario Kart or something but yeah if you want to play over Christmas uh, or over the break then do get in touch either on Twitter Xbox Live PlayStation Network Charles went west on those channels I'm Giles Nicholson in real life and I will see you in the new year cheers